Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Mandy. And this is Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. Hi, and welcome back to Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. And in this episode, I'm absolutely delighted to be speaking to someone who I can only say loves to spread a bit of glitter around and sunshine and happiness. She's a wonderful sober sister um, coming from the States, Casey McGuire Davidson, and she is a certified life coach who helps women quit drinking, create lives they love without alcohol. And she also hosts the Hello Sunday podcast, um, which is a podcast for busy women who are ready to drink less and live more. Um, and she has is also the founder of Hello Someday Coaching. So we are delighted to speak to Casey today. Hey Casey, thanks hey, for joining us. Yeah, I'm I'm all right. We've 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 just had a little chat, haven't we? Just off air, and um, we're opposite ends of the day because where are you? You're in. I'm in Seattle, Washington. So completely on the other side of yeah. the United States. And it's in the morning for you. Yes. And it is the end of the day for me. Well, that kind of, you know, mom time of when, like, it, interestingly, this was when I'd be like screaming for the glass of wine and battling with myself. It's that after school, nearly tea time, rushing around. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting those key points in the day to sort of go, wow, things have changed. So yeah. yeah. Well, for me, it's 830 in the morning. So this would be the time when I'm trying desperately to put on my eyeliner with my like, watery bloodshot eyes and talking, talking all the crap to myself about like, (laughs) Oh, what'd you do? You did it again. So I'm very much enjoying not having that be part of my life. Oh, so true, isn't it? That morning, like the mornings never get tired. So mornings never tired just like feeling so shaky. I used to like walk downstairs to my kitchen and look at sort of lift up the wine bottle or the second wine bottle and be like, how much is left in here? How bad is my day going to be? Oh, I know. It's the shudder. You forget. You forget. I'm so excited to dive into the topic with you. And we're so delighted you know because we've been on your pod the hello someday podcast haven't we Mandy and I both were guests um really excited to to talk to you so we always start with sort of asking about if you don't mind uh, telling me a little bit about yeah your journey to becoming alcohol free and the decision to stop drinking Yeah, absolutely. And when we were talking on my podcast about your fabulous book, um, we figured out that our paths were very, very similar, um, especially in terms of number of years and also the starting stopping, which we're going to get into a little bit about, you know, mistakes some women make when they're trying to stop drinking. So, you know, I um, was like a self-proclaimed red wine girl. Um, That was sort of how I identified myself. I always, you know, was the one leading the wine tastings, the mommy play dates, the weekends away in the wine country. Um, And, you know, I just always liked to drink. I thought it was what adults did. I thought it was fun. I thought it, you know, I always kind of struggled with some overthinking anxiety, kind of wondering if people liked me, um, even though I'm pretty extroverted. So drinking, let me like shut down my mind and 
stop being so guarded. And I was like, anything can happen. That was Mm -hmm. like my, my jam with drinking. And, you know, as I went on and on, I got married. I had my first baby, Hank, who's now 13 and towers over me. Um, I started to get worried about my drinking and I was drinking, you know, pretty consistently a bottle of wine a night, sometimes six glasses, which is like a bottle and a half. And I was waking up at 3am every morning, I felt like I couldn't cope with my life. And by the way, this is eight years before I finally quit drinking, like this was not necessarily, quote unquote, at the end. Um, And but I didn't, I didn't figure it out. I thought the wine was helping me. I thought that it was what was the one highlight in my, and and I loved my life. I loved my husband. I loved my kid, but it was sort of like my personal treat at the end of the day. And, you know, was going to my doctor saying my job's so stressful and wanting, you know, I wake up every night. I, she was giving me like sleeping pills, still drinking a bottle of wine a night. Very, Mm -hmm. very dangerous, not recommending that. And being there, I, being there, done that. yeah, right. Cause you're like, no, no, no. I need, I need something mm-hmm. for my sleep. I need something for my anxiety and I need the wine, right? Yeah. Like I need all of it. Um, and so when I, my son was like six months old, I kind of wrote myself, I read drinking a love story by Carolyn Knapp mm-hmm. and I read it while drinking red wine and there's red wine on the cover. So that's fabulous. Um, and wrote myself, like, I think I have a drinking problem. This is an issue. I need to stop. And then four days went by and I literally went back to that same journal and was like, just kidding, not a problem, yeah. nothing to see like to myself. Um, and so that was eight years before I ended up stopping. Um, about five years later, I kind of got to another breaking point, stressful time in my life. I was, you know, felt like I couldn't cope, massive anxiety, walking into work every day, debating in my head, like, am I an alcoholic or do I just abuse alcohol? Um, You know, wondering when I left the office, if I had enough time to run to the grocery store to get wine before I had to pick up my kid at daycare. Like it wasn't fighting with my husband a lot and we don't fight. Um, And so I went to, I went to a therapist who specialized in, I checked very carefully, anxiety and addiction. Like I want, I, and then I was like, I'm here to talk about my anxiety. And by the way, I drink a bottle of wine at night. And he was like, yeah, let's talk about your drinking. And I was like, no, 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 you don't get it. Like it's my boss and my husband and my schedule. Anyway. So he led me down the path of finding an online group and stopping drinking. I went to AA for about four months. It was not my path. I, um, I didn't just you know, everyone was very nice, but it, it wasn't my jam. I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't my uh, philosophy. Mm. Had my daughter went back to drinking. So I had found all the groups. I know you and Mandy did too. You found the online groups. I got about a year of sobriety, but I was pregnant. So it only kind of counts. I probably had four months before I knew I was pregnant. She was born and I was like, I want to have a couple glasses of wine on a date night with my husband, you know, doing this slow shuffle back, like no big deal, just kidding, totally overreacted. And then I drank for about 22 more months Mm. where the entire time I knew it was unsustainable. I knew it was a problem. Every morning I woke up with a hangover. I was like, this needs to stop. And yet I didn't want to stop yet, or Mm. I was just white knuckling it to day four or day five or 
saying screw it all the time. And that was kind of a pretty shitty place to live. Like I was pretty miserable, even though on the outside, I was like a director at L'Oreal and, you know, went on nice vacations and had, had two beautiful kids and all the things. And then I finally like just woke up one morning again at three in the morning. I was in one of these online groups. I knew too much. And Someone else was posting about their day one and sort of being like, I don't know what to do. All these people gave advice. And somewhere in there, someone mentioned a sober coach. And I wrote her that day. I remember at like 10 a.m. in my office feeling really shaky and started working with her. And that was my last day one. That was over five years ago. Oh, amazing. Yay. 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 And I'm sure so many people can relate to that. Like so many people. Oh, sorry. I've got a new phone. Disclaimer, oh, I've got totally a new okay. phone. And whereas I know how to work the old one, I don't know how to work this one. Any, and I don't even recognise its ringtone because it's literally like a day old. Yeah. So, sorry. Apologies for that. It might happen again, but we'll just roll <laughs> with it. So, yeah, you know, and that I think it's... I what's so great about I think the online stuff and podcasts and technology and us being able to kind of all find each other and tell our stories is that there's that me too moment isn't there of like how many of us it it looked fine on the surface it looked more than fine it looked like yeah it's successful and inside we were just limping around feeling broken yeah and you couldn't you didn't know anyone else to talk to because it's like everyone else is doing it as well. Yeah. It's like this circular firing loop of like, and you, you, we're so busy justifying our drinking and saying that we deserve it. That's you now. Oh my God. That was, (laughs) I'm going to turn it off. This is horrible. Um, I have an alarm set to walk my daughter to the school bus and of course, my husband's doing it today. But do you know cannot. what, though? We are doing that typically, like, just keeping it real, right? We are doing that <laughs> typical mum thing, aren't we? It's eight in the morning for you, school run time. Yes. And it's me leaving a snack out for my daughter and thinking, right, I've got, we've got till half past five and then I've got to take her <laughs> to netball. And yet we're having these awesome conversations. I know. Right before we started, real. I was like packing her lunch and making sure she had her, her raincoat. <laughs> like, wait. Yeah. 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 So, so what, what next? I mean, what were the pieces, the bits and pieces that you put together then that made that your last day one? Well, I think I'll talk about what I did and also what I think held, held, hold a lot of women back when they're going to start um, not drinking. And it's a lot of a mindset shift. I mean, I know, you um, approach not drinking from self-care, which I do too. And we're both really big on like habit change and behavior change and the pieces for that, which is why I love talking to you so much. And a lot of looking at drinking, I think what trips women up is the idea that you, you know, that we've been taught in society, right? There are normal drinkers and then there are quote unquote alcoholics And you're one or the other, right? You're normal until you have a serious problem and you need to quit. And now we know that there is this huge spectrum of what some people call gray area drinkers, right? Who can't necessarily take it or leave it. Mm. You know, alcohol is 
of course, addictive. It is designed to make you consume more and more often. It's designed to lead you down the path of moving from like a drink every other week on a date night to every night to a bottle of wine a night to all the things. And so what I had to wrap my head around because it was holding me back for the longest time was the idea that if I stop, if I admit that I need to stop drinking, A, it means I'm an alcoholic or I have a serious drinking problem, which I was not there at the time. I even now don't use the word alcoholic. I just don't think it's necessary or useful. And I need to never drink again. And I feel like that is a huge gap and a huge bridge that I needed to let go of because I loved drinking. Like I loved red wine. That was the issue, right? It was like, my worst nightmare to never be able to drink again. That's why I was working so hard for so many years to try to control it, which was exhausting. So when I started out, my coach um, said to me, like it was a 100 day challenge. Like your goal is to get to 100 continuous alcohol-free days. And that also seemed impossible because I was like barely getting four days, you know, when I was like, quote unquote, being really good. But it was a, it wasn't forever and it wasn't never again. And it was, I'm just going to see if I feel better with that amount of time involved. And it was not labels like the, you know, it was, Hey, alcohol is not good for anyone. And you are going to sleep better and feel better and have more anxiety and have more energy to do different things. Like I was almost 40 years old. It's like, you've been drinking for 20 plus years, you know what your life and habits look like when you're drinking. Aren't you curious Mm. to see what else you could do if you weren't like dragging every Saturday morning and, you know, what you might do on a Thursday night if you weren't on your couch with the bottle of wine. And so it was really positive and uplifting without being like, this is a death sentence. And, you know, you're a teenager who got your car keys taken away because you're in timeout. (laughs) So that I think helped, like not having to put myself in a category that I didn't want to be in, not saying never again, which I mean, I'm a sober coach. You are too. Like, I don't think that if you have a problem with drinking, you should drink again. I feel like that's just delaying feeling awesome and free. But in the beginning, when you're not even getting four days, it's too far of a leap. You know, you kind of need to get through two weeks and 30 days and 50 days and suddenly be like, wow, I don't crave it as much. My habits have changed. I feel better. The sun is shining brighter. My entire optimism has lifted. I actually don't want to go back to the way I felt then. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like we have to, well, we have to frame it for ourselves. It's almost like, I love what you said about the teenager with the car keys. Because it is a bit like I, you know, think about the kind of, you know, the inner toddler stamping her foot, um, really needing a gold star, needing a reward, needing a treat, needing to know that it's only till tea time, mommy, because that's all I can manage. You know, it it feels like that we have to, yeah, sort of frame it and make it almost within our capacity, don't we, at the beginning. And that's different for different people, I think. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I think a big change is around the idea. I mean, you talk about it in your book and, and I also look at it through like the lens of habit and behavioral change. You do need treats. You do need rewards. You do need your gold stars, 
right? I mean, life is is hard and monotonous, even when it's beautiful and good. Mm-hmm. And we kind of, as mothers, give too much and often take too little for ourselves. So it's not that you sit there and white knuckle it and don't drink and have nothing good in your life. It's that you expand your universe of things that are good. Yeah, 100% that adding in, isn't it? And that, yeah, that that idea, because I think we, we get so narrow, don't we? By the end of our sort of yes. drinking days, we're very narrow. We've been going to that one thing often to fill all the tick all those boxes and it stopped working and it's and it's just that awful awful thing of like I know this doesn't work but I don't know what what on earth will yeah so that starting curiosity yeah and it surrounds you everywhere so like you know all my friends drank I'm sure yours did too my husband drank um he still does um but he doesn't drink like I did (laughs) ever um you know, it was part of every social circle that I had set up by design because I wanted to drink every night. Mm. And so you actually, one good thing about these online groups, these sober groups, meeting other women, like hearing podcasts who don't drink is you get those gold stars. You get, as opposed to people people being like, what, you're not drinking? What the hell? It's no big deal. People being like, oh my God, you're such a badass. You rock 14 days. Like you deserve a damn parade. Like you go. <laughs> I love that. It is. And it's that, yeah, that ch- cheerleaders. And I I know for, for sure, like, you know, it's, you know, in hindsight, putting the stuff together, we know how important that community piece is. You know, yes. we know it as a human need, that kind of, you know, I'm doing a lot of nervous system regulation work. I'm studying with Irene Lyon. I don't know if you know oh, her. That is She's, so cool. Um, I have the biggest, like, fangirl crush on that woman. <laughs> and so all I'm thinking, I'm going right through the lens of the, the nervous system and, you know, the nervous system regulation and yeah. so now I'm like oh and I love that about sobriety because it kind of goes into all areas of well wellness but yeah. that is our that ventral vagal our mammalian connection with other people like that we need and we're told by alcohol marketeers that we cannot connect without it and we cannot celebrate without it and that's basically saying to our central nervous system you you're going to shut down and you're going to be basically in fight flight or you're going to be in freeze yeah you ain't going to get that lovely ventral vagal i'm connecting with you business yeah and they bloody know that it's, and it's a lie. It's, it's a, a lie. It's the opposite because it disconnects us. Well, and I was going to say that, like, you know, I had a, I had to take a while to really let go of that idea of like, oh, my God, I'm never going to have these fun nights again. And actually look back more honestly on what they were. Because, like, for example, you know, I had two little kids. It was New Year's Eve. My We had a bunch of couple friends. Um, one of them invited like four of us over for like a sleepover, right? We were like 38 years old, New Year's sleepover, big deal, right? Party all night kind of thing. Um, and I didn't make it till midnight. I don't remember going to bed. I remember partying and then waking up brutally hungover the next morning, like pretty much not a lot in between. So I'm like, how connected was I? Yeah. I don't remember it. I don't remember. I've been waiting for months for this night with our friends and no kids grabbing us and dragging us away. 
literally have no recollection of it. Like how cool was it for my husband not to have me there at midnight? Who put me to bed? And then the next morning I was so defensive and trying to play it off and felt like utter garbage. So, you know, we tell ourselves this story through the marketing, like I will never, um, this won't be fun without alcohol or I won't connect with people or it won't be a good time. Like with alcohol, I pretty much missed the whole thing and made myself feel like total garbage. Like that's not that fun either. Yeah, it's so true. And and I know you were talking before about one of those, such an important part of the piece in the early days is to try and get that mindset shift on board. Mm-hmm. And I know that you've, you know, you've talked about that. Is there anything else that you'd say was important for you to, to flip that yeah. in the early days? Well, I think there are two pieces of it. One is not thinking about forever, not thinking that you have to have a problem. And then also not thinking about this as a time of deprivation and isolation, really thinking of it as like a hundred days of self-care, right? I am going to treat myself better and take care of myself better than I have in a very long time. And that's tied with the treats, but it's also like, okay, what do I, you know, more massages, more walks, more therapy, right? Of course, self-care is not just the like surface level stuff. It's also taking care of everything underneath the nervous system regulation. But I really recommend not because I made this mistake. I see so many women making this mistake, combining it with a diet. Like we think like, oh my God, you know, the only time I would not drink is when I was on a diet, right? Because I basically was like, if I'm not going to have my favorite thing, I'm going to consume, you know, 1200, 1400 calories a day, log all my meals, go jogging, drink all the water, right? And you basically are pretty fucking miserable during the entire time, right? You're just like, you know, when you stop drinking, A, you're dead tired. Mm-hmm. You're super irritable. I'm talking just in the first few weeks. Yeah. Um, you are annoyed by everything. You're extra sensitive. So like, why would you also starve yourself and take away all of the like creature comforts that you have. And so then you're like, oh my God, I hate life without alcohol. But it's like, yeah, you're also hate life because all you're doing is eating salad, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like just do sober, just do the alcohol. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, but you know, in the early days I would be like, okay, I'm going to go out to dinner with my husband instead of wine. I'm getting myself a chocolate milkshake. Mm. Hadn't allowed me one of those in years. I was like, wow, that was pretty awesome. You know, and I woke up the next morning and could feel good and go to a workout. So it's not the, it's not me consuming a bottle of wine a night, dragging the next day and doing it again. Mm. Um, But so really thinking of it as real self-care and carving out time for yourself, doing things that you haven't done in a long time. Yeah. And that's like, like you're an L'Oreal girl, right? And it's just I like, was a L'Oreal girl. You're worth it. Kind of. That's what <laughs> sobriety needs, like to have had that slogan, right? <laughs> yes. No, totally. And um, yeah. my daughter was just making fun of me in front of like all these other moms at a baseball game. She's like, mom, you have so much makeup. I've seen it. I am not a big made up girl, but I was like, I worked for L'Oreal for five <laughs> years. Like they send you everything. Medicine. I was trying to tell the other mothers that I wasn't really shallow. <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. I'm <laughs> Love it. But yes, you get good freebies there too. Yeah. Um, I know. I mean, just, yeah, just on that point, I used to work on magazines and 
my favorite bit was when we did beauty features because then you just get all the song yeah I mean oh I really need some creme de la mer you know, we oh, want yeah. to put that in there. Every <laughs> life function. Then you're like, I know people would just come by and leave <laughs> stuff at our desk. And I'm like, oh. so yes. Yeah. But anyway, I left anyway. L'Oreal about two years ago. So I'm missing all my freebies. Yeah. Yeah. But with all the extra wine money, you can afford the, yes. the bits and the bobs. Yeah. And one thing I love, and I, I'm sure you're right. I love day counters. I know day counters for some people, they hate them. And I what totally get that. Oh, day like, counters. Yeah, you're Sorry, at. yeah, yeah. And the one I have, I mean, I love it for a couple reasons, not to punish you from starting again, but to encourage you when you hit those milestones to celebrate and to also realize how much progress you've made um, because it, you really do get stronger and it really does get easier. But when you mention money, one of the reasons I love day counters is the one I use calculates um, not only days, which I'm like, yeah, days, that's good, especially in the beginning. But now, you know, who knows? But it calculates um, money not spent. Also bottles not consumed, which for me, I was like, oh, that's pretty good to not ingest all of that. And, um, and it also does calories. So for money, like, you know, in my first month not drinking, I drank a bottle plus of wine every night. I saved $550 in one month, now it's like $35,000, right? Oh In five years. Yeah. And I also, I didn't ingest in 30 days, 40 bottles of wine. And I am five foot three. Like that is insanity. Yeah. So um, I love, I have my, I have my dollar yeah. saved app. And I always tell my husband, I was, I'm going to Mexico to a yoga retreat where she recovers. I'm like, don't worry. I'm using my sober money. And he's yeah. like, it's what been five it years. Like, you know. Do you know, I love the phrase, like you're reminding me of, um, I'm doing a bit of training as well with a, a recovery uh, coach person people I don't even know what the word is institute it's not an institution it's a company whatever whatever the word is they're wonderful they're about Connecticut recovery mm -hmm. know you know the Carl. they're lovely anyway they've just started that. up in the UK anyway um and they so they've been talking and I don't use the word recovery very much because I like you know alcohol free sobriety yeah. all of that so I've really had to kind of get my head around the whole idea and I love what Dawn Nichols said like we're all recovering from something because life's impactful like I can get yeah. on board with that but anyway they talk about recovery capital and looking at all your resources but that reminds me of that app you know the day counter app because it is like measuring it's like we're all as coaches, we know that people have different learning preferences. They, you know, they respond to different, different things depending on their personality type. So it is about, it's like, what is that thing that's going to give you that gold star yes. feeling of achievement? You can measure it. It's that, you know, and that's going to give you a, a whacking great dopamine here, isn't it? Yeah. And I love that you said, you know, we're all different. We're all motivated by different things, our personality types, because, it's so true. Like what works for me is not going to work for someone else. And it's good to recognize that. Like I am definitely like the gold star girl who wants the pat on the head and the straight A's and, yeah. um, you know, all that's just who I am. Um, and so getting, you know, getting those days built up, getting, you know, basically the gold star for like, dude, you hit a month, you hit two months, six months. Like for me, that was really gratifying for yeah. someone else who's more of like the rebel, right? Yeah. Doesn't like want to fit in. 
reframing not drinking into a badass thing that you're not buying into the culture that everybody tells you what you need, that works really well too. Um, my husband's actually, he was a teacher for many years and now he's the head of a middle school. And, you know, he always reminds me that, you know, everybody's like, treat everyone the way you want to be treated. And he's like, no, you're actually supposed to treat other people the way they They want to be be treated. treated. And that's harder, but it's Mm. important, right? So it's not one size fits all. Yeah. And I love that. And I think coaching is a great process it's a great addition you know when you look at the the whole history of uh, of you know this conversation over the last decades and decades starting with whoever the blokes were that started off with AA and then it we added a bit of psychology in there and then blah 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 and now to this you know coaching as a as a way as a modality of working with people I think is so respectful for that you know that yeah yeah, because I mean, so why, what do you do? You know, what drew you to coaching, I guess, what, and, and working in this way with people? Yeah, well, so I, well, I stopped with a coach, with a sober coach, and I could not draw that line in the sand without working with someone on one-on-one. And I, trust me, I had tried all the other things, right? I'd read all the quit lip books. They all helped me like every, the podcast, I listened to the bubble hour that helped me, the online secret Facebook groups, they helped me. Like it was all sort of building to where I got, but, and you know, I went to some 12 step meetings. They were helpful. They gave me some really good insight and information. It wasn't until I would, you know, worked with someone and said, okay, this is what I want to achieve. I have been trying on my own and it has not been working. I need external accountability, support, cheerleading resources, like just-in-time coaching that helped me. Mm. So that inspired – I mean, I had a – my coach was Belle Robertson of Tired of Thinking About Drinking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I signed up with her. I had her on my podcast, the Hello Someday podcast at the beginning of this year. She reminded me that we emailed each other 800 times back and forth, which is insane, right? I definitely talked to her more than my mother, my best friend, probably my husband, maybe, you know, about everything from like, we're going out to dinner. What am I going to do? What am I going to order to, you know, I went to Venice and Croatia when I was four months sober. Like Mm. that was a huge challenge for me. But, you know, wrapping your head around that in advance and looking for all the things you can do that aren't alcohol and having that accountability is huge. And most of my triggers were honestly my job, like Mm -hmm. working in a corporate setting, daily sales targets, constantly moving the goalposts, the the sort of death of a thousand cuts of various things. And so I needed someone to help me. So that inspired me to be like, wow, coaching is, I mean, it meant the world to me. I felt like it was the kindest thing Mm -hmm. I'd done for myself in a long time. Did not know I wanted to be a sober coach for a long time. And you know, a couple years out, I was going to talk to my therapist and it was all about, you know, I don't like my work, but I make a lot of money and what can I do? And, you know, my boss and all this stuff. And she actually encouraged me. She was like, what if you just left corporate? What if you, you know, became a coach? What if you talked? Cause I was doing all this like coaching of women on my own, right. Just through the sober groups and friends in the area and helping people starting out. So 
you know, she helped sort of edge me through that process of, of getting comfortable with leaving. I had been in corporate for 20 years and, you know, you've got a lot of ego tied up there, right? You're like, no, no, this, this is important. I've achieved a certain level and to start over kind of at the ground floor is, is a leap. But so I went back to, you know, nine months of coaching school, did not know that I wanted to do sober coaching. I actually thought, I wanted to do basically every woman I know in the workplace, right? You're 40, your life looks fabulous. You have a job, a spouse, kids. And by the way, you're frustrated and miserable. And, you know, (laughs) kind of at that point, like, is this all there is? Am I supposed to just put my head down and like grind forward for a decade more until I can really be have fun? And then I started coaching those women who I all love and their needs and issues were all over the place. And I just realized that like, you know, some thought the issue was their husband or their schedule, or they wanted to lose weight or their boss. And like women who are high achievers and have an issue with drinking, oh my God, it is amazing to coach them because you have this like weight tied around your ankle that you're basically doing a marathon with every day. You get rid of that, the whole world opens up. Like life is so much better. And then by removing, because you are quitting drinking, which is so tied into your marriage and your social life and your identity and your ways of coping, you get really real, really quick, right? So when you work with women who don't have this like thing with drinking, it is so easy to stay on the surface. They don't want to go deep necessarily because it's like, it's hard and maybe they haven't even thought about things themselves. But when you're quitting drinking, it's like you have to talk about your marriage and your kids and your anxieties and your parents and all this shit and boundaries. And you like I see women just just, you know, basically being set free. And that is super cool. Yeah, I love that. It gave me goosebumps when you were saying that it really did. And it is. It's that. um yeah, it's like the unlocking, unlocking yes. that, that weight. I love the way you describe that, that weight around your net, your, your foot. Yes. And then as soon as you get that off, it's like, go, you know, you yeah. can, because it's so, you know, and I get so angry. I really do. I get so angry with the marketing and the bullshit and the heavy lifting that women have to do. And, and I know for me, the put, putting down the drink, getting rid of that. Like I remember when I was drinking and I remember diary, diary entry upon diary entry, like, like you were talking about, And I remember writing something about we all have our cross to bear. And I remember feeling like that was mine, like that was just going to be my story and everyone had something and that was just going to be mine. And when I, I like stopped and then got support and it became a reality to me, I just... I, I just wanted to cry with gratitude that that didn't have to be my story. Mm-hmm. Like, thank fuck, that was not my story. It didn't have to yeah. be my story. And I feel like with the, you know, with the sober groups opening, with all of the different pathways now and the changing, we can change the conversation and we can, it doesn't have to be our story. We don't yeah. have to be scared of it. It's like Well, and you're also, you're allowed to evolve in life, right? Like, you know, yeah. I just think, yeah. of, you know, in the same way, not thinking about forever and never again, because it'll hold you back. Like I quit right before I turned 40 and I 
like I said, what the hardest part was like, I really loved drinking. Like it was my favorite thing. My coach asked me like, what do you love more than wine? And my mind was blank. Like it was, I was like, yeah, I love my kids. I love my husband. I like to work out. I like to travel, but like all of that was combined with drinking. Yeah. So it was really muddied. Um, so I didn't know. Yeah. And just the idea of like, yeah, you've been drinking for 20 years. Cause women will say to me all the time, it wasn't that it wasn't all bad. I had a lot of fun. Like there were definitely good parts. And I'm like, yeah, I also had a million drinking highlights. 80% of it was low lights at yeah. the end, right? 80% of it kind of sucked. But, you know, don't you want to see what new highlights can come for you in the next three years, two years, five years? Like the world is big and you've been kind of, you know, drinking makes your world really fucking small. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, I love that. And so what do you think your biggest area of personal growth has been? Yeah, I mean, I think that for everybody, there is a reason why we drink, right? It's addictive, it's socially prescribed, it's all around us, but it also, there is there is usually some work to be done underneath. And for me, it was... Um, anxiety and security, and often super related to work. Like I just felt, you know, we don't need to go into my therapy session, right? But like my parents moved around a ton overseas when I was little, they were foreign service. They were very busy, kind of unavailable. Um, I went to boarding school like the month after I turned 14 years old, never lived with them again. Um, we're close, but like not, you know, see them three times a year close. And I felt all this immense pressure to be self-sufficient and to keep myself safe and to keep myself like I had to find somewhere to go for the summer because otherwise there was there was nothing, right? I had no place to go. And I had to figure out where to go to college on my own. And after college, I needed a job because I uh, other kids were going home. And I was like, I can't do that. And so just I always had this like deep desire that I had to like keep my job, keep moving up, keep making money, not be let go, not be, you know, imposter syndrome, you know, highly um, self-reliant and yet a complete scarcity mindset about it. Mm -hmm. And so I was masking all that with alcohol, right? Like in every way possible, you know, before I would go on big business trips, I would like basically drink myself into oblivion, be super hungover the next day. And somehow I thought that was helping me because I was so hungover trying not to puke that I could not be nervous. I mean, I look now and it was like immense self-sabotage, like tying my hand behind my back. But once I got rid of the alcohol, I kind of thought that my life would be perfect. Like, oh, I did that. And turns out the anxiety and all those mental shit and all that crap was still there. The good news is, was I could finally actually get help for it. Like finally. Um, so I went to therapy, I got on some anti-anxiety medication and, you know, eventually some mood medication, which my God, my life has completely changed. It's amazing. Um, you know, just started taking better care of myself, having more honest conversations, not beating myself up for feeling that way, but just like, okay, there's a reason I feel this way. Now, how can I make myself, you know, give myself more support? So that has been a big journey in the last five years. And I think the fact that I actually 
was able to leave a corporate job that I didn't really like and start my own coaching practice and build that up when I had this constant fear of layoffs or being let go or not being, you know, quote unquote, kept or financial security like that is for me was big. It was really big because I always was like the primary breadwinner and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, that's Mm. been my biggest journey. I know for the women I work with, it's something different for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. That's so much. It's so much identity tied up with that. Yeah. And passed off. It is, isn't it? It's like you said, the the clarity. It's like if you get rid of that, the kind of shit that you're self-medicating with. Yeah you can start it's like okay I can I can begin now let's begin yeah but you can and what I love because that used to terrify me the thought of that used to terrify me but it's like I kind of want to say to people you know that it it feels scary but it's the safe path and it will you know, you can, you can take your time. You don't have to do it because all the drinking headset is, I've got to fix all this. It's, it's immediate. Yeah. It's got to be, and I'm used to shutting things off really quickly, break on, break on. And it's like, okay, so we really can take our time with this. Yes. And we can feel our way into it and we can resource ourselves with all the sober treats so that we can chill out. We can go, you know what, that's like quite a lot of work for today. I'm just going to watch Netflix and I'm going to eat ice cream. In the very beginning, you should dive into all that shit. I like, don't either. And like go for a walk Earth and well. eat some brownies and like yeah. take a nap. Yeah. It's not until you get a lot stronger and more clear that then you're like, oh, I can finally deal with this underlying shit. Yeah. But like in the beginning, you're fragile. Like all you need to do is take care of yourself. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I love that sort of. This, this, yeah, and I remember writing blog posts about allowing myself to be a surface dweller because I was such an overthinker. You know, I didn't think I was an overthinker. I just thought that's what thinking was. I didn't realize that I was like churning, churning, washing machine head like 24 7. I love just that phrase, the surface dweller. I love yeah, that. It's like, yeah, that we have like little pond skaters in the UK that have really big yeah. pads and they just kind of, they kind of hang out on the surface. <laughs> I was like, I was like well, I'm I don't want to do a bit more of that. From. I think it's some old movie, but I always love because I'm an overthinker too. And, you know, like a little bit of a worrier and, you know, trying to have every contingency in place. And there's this quote that said, the world is made for people not cursed with self-awareness. <laughs> and, you know, like I used to see all these people, often men, um, yeah. <laughs> often men at work who like somehow get promoted, you know, fail up. I'm going to get in trouble. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, you know, yeah. the men, right. Yeah, <laughs> who, who they don't do a great job and yet they keep moving up in the world. And they're just like anything that happens. And I'm like, wow, you really screwed up on that one. They're like, it's like water off a duck. I really don't think it registers on them. Yeah. Like they have no concept. And I'm always like, God, the world is made for people that cursed. With self. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to be that person, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's like, about I'm being able to self-doubt. Have that ability and that that to to give ourselves a break and to kind of work with it, isn't? Because there is a gender piece there. There's like one hundred percent a gender piece. And but what was I going to say? There was something else I was going to say. Oh, I was going to go back to what Irene Lyon was talking about on something. I think now that I look at the sober treats and I loved all of the stuff that you said about that. And she talks about before, like 
things happening in the right sequence. Mm. And before you do any of the the neurosensory exercises and stuff like that, and any of that work, um, you do an exercise called resourcing. So you you find your resources internal and external. It could be that nice warm cup of tea. It could be Netflix. It can be a warm blanket, the woods you know, the buying a lipstick, like, and it's a bit, and it really reminds me of that early work of sobriety of just like, okay, how am I going to just make myself, like do little bits to make myself feel better while I start this business of regulating, of, you know, of of keeping myself sober and together and and getting better slowly, slowly. And I love that because Mm. I got told off on a sober forum. Someone said that I was in now I really laugh about it but I was really upset at the time they said they accused me of encouraging cross addiction because I was talking about so treats and go getting a lipstick cross addiction (laughs) that's what it was like like nearly eight years ago on some sober forums it was like that used to really upset people they're like no you're an addict and you just have to stop and I was like I hate that I really hate that I mean Yeah, I think it's come a long way. We've come a long way, haven't we, in terms of just... Well, and, you know, we're so used to, like, selfish is such a bad word for Mm. women. People will be like, oh, well, I don't want to be selfish. Like, even setting a boundary or not volunteering for something you have no capacity for, or you're so worried about, you know, Mm. appearing to be overindulgent. And you actually need to take care of yourself and, you know... Otherwise you're resentful and overwhelmed and, you know, just, just not, you know, you deserve to be happy every day. Mm. And I remember back in the day, my husband said to me, cause I was doing the whole, like, I pick up the kids and I come home and I do the dishes and then I do email for work. And he was like, babe, no one likes to be around a martyr. Like you're not, if you're doing this for us, you can just stop. Cause it's not really fun. That was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Does he do any of that? Is he gonna? Well, he's been. Um, he's very good at uh, enjoying life. He is definitely. You know, we're very different. Um, but he's much more chill than mm. I am. So he is always like he goes on annual fishing trips with his friends. He love. It's part of his job. He's head of a middle school, but he coaches varsity baseball and basketball, but he's got that. He loves coaching. Mm-hmm. And then he plays on a men's league. And so, you know, and he's got friends. So basically when I had kids, my world shrunk down yeah. to work chores and life yeah, and yeah, kids. Yeah. And I kind of, I used to go to yoga. I used to take guitar lessons. I used to go to brunch. Um, all the things. And I kept my workouts. So like, I guess that was my free time, but not really, you know? And so, you know, someone even said to me, cause I was really uh, mad when, when I was drinking that my husband was going on a fishing trip and we had young kids and it kind of stuck with me. Cause I was going off about this and she was like, is it that you don't want him to be happy or is it that you're not happy? Ooh. And I was like, yeah (laughs) it's that I'm not happy and like that's on me that's I can make myself happy I just you know I was so felt like I couldn't ask for so I actually I booked a trip to Maui with my best friend he's you know it was one of those I can't go on take vacation days and spend money and go somewhere Mm. where my family would like to go without my family 
so I never did anything. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty amazing. (laughs) I was like, damn, Mm. I was, by the way, I was much nicer to him about his fishing trips after I went (laughs) I expect you were going to Mal. I love that. But it is, it's so important. It is. And there's, the, there is that such a, a big mom care piece. And I was just thinking, as you were saying what your husband did, I was like, it reminded me of what Mandy says about her husband and like some good boundaries there. There's some good boundaries and self-care going on. There's a bit yeah. of sport, there's alignment, there's connection. But what happens to us when we are primary caregivers and we take on that mum role, either societal pressures or stories about you know I I have I have stuff about you know I love my mum and I are very close but there was stuff in the family and there wasn't it there was not enough there yeah. was not enough and I always remember going to uh, like a sports day and I was the one kid with no parents there so it, for me I would have been when, with you on that one <laughs> Yeah, so I, for me, motherhood was like, I'm going to do this differently. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to be there 100% all the time. Yeah. And I had to come back into balance about that because I've got, yeah, really depleted, really. Yeah, because really we upset. always want our kids to have what we didn't have. And, you know, that's yeah. for everyone, right? You yeah. Know, whatever, wherever your, your thing was. But you really do, especially when you quit drinking. I mean, you know, one of the reasons that we drink too much is we aren't taking care of ourselves and we're go, 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 go. And at the end of the night, we have like two hours and we want to bring it down really, really fast. And you're just strung so thin on this hamster wheel that you're, you know, you really have to decompress during the day and during the week. So you don't get to that point where you're like, fuck it. I just want to drink. And that means you know, leaving your desk at work and going for a walk, getting a latte, scheduling massage, going to therapy. I was terrified for God knows what reason to ask my husband to go to therapy. And again, this is not on him. This is all my shit. But I was like, he's going to have to pick up both kids every Tuesday night at 6 p.m. and get them dinner. And it's going to be uncomfortable. And, you know, it's, it's hard for him. Like, forget that I did it all the time, right? Mm. Like I was doing that on the regular, but once I did it, God, it was so much easier. And the kids were happy. Like I came Mm. home after therapy and, you know, instead of me doing my martyr, running around dishes, kids, homework, they were all, I'm looking at it out my window. They were all sitting around the fire pit, roasting marshmallows and hot dogs for dinner with a fire. And they And I was like, oh, so me prioritizing myself did not ruin the entire family. (laughs) Yeah, the world didn't stop because you got what you wanted. I know. I was like, oh, they're happier. (laughs) Such a good lesson. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so I love it. Um, I'm just aware of of the time I could talk to you all day. I really could. but I guess we should wrap it up. So, I mean, we'll put the um, all the information about where to find you um, underneath in the notes. But perhaps you could just sort of tell people about, you know, what, what you're up to, how they can find you, how they can connect with you, work with you, et cetera. Yeah. Well, my um, the easiest place to find me is at my website and it's hellosomedaycoaching.com. And I chose that name because it was the idea of we always say we're going to do something someday, right? Someday I'll leave this job or stop drinking or go on that trip. And so hello someday for me is like start today. Today's mm. the day. 
Um, there you can find, I work with women one-on-one in private sober coaching. I have an online course that is my whole coaching framework in an on-demand st- self-study video format um, and my podcast. And so if you want to start, like my podcast is a great place to start. I have a fabulous episode with Mandy and Kate um, <laughs> that is really wonderful all about their book and their lives and the coaching they do. So if you love them, that would be a great one to listen to. Um, yeah, but the website's the best place. Oh, awesome. I love it. It's so lovely. This, you know, the global sober sisterhood. We call I love it. I mean, it. it was insane, I know. I've loved it? meeting you through this yeah. whole process. Yeah, I know. And we're going to hopefully come to um, Miami next year. Yay. I'm going to be there too. I know. Yay. I'm so excited. So, okay. It's got to happen. It's got to happen. Yes. So um, that'd be amazing. But so um, before we go, we end with a, a tip of the day and a reason to love sober today. Gosh, tip of the day is carve out 30 minutes for yourself today. Um, I usually every morning um, roll over in bed and I'm not a meditator or all that, but I ask myself, what can I do to take care of myself today? And the reason I love that question is because it makes you do a schedule scan because I'm a schedule girl and I always have a busy day and also like a body scan. So you're sort of putting out in the universe that you're going to do one thing to take care of yourself every day. You're scanning your body to say, okay, what do I need? And your emotions, like, am I lonely? Am I tired? Do I feel like I need to move? Am I anxious? You know, whatever it is. And then your schedule, like, okay, well, I could go for a walk at lunch, or I'm going to call my best friend on the drive to work, or I'm going to get takeout sushi because I really can't handle cooking dinner, right? What's one thing you're going to do for yourself? Um, So if anyone's, my tip of the day is you're listening to this ask yourself what's one thing you can do to take care of yourself today Mm. and then just do it. Mm. Um, it. Yeah. Love being sober. I mean, right now, my favorite part is being able to connect with women like you, like just cool, amazing women who are on the alcohol free path. I thought that my, my life would get really small, my social life, my friendships. When I quit drinking, it has blown up like expanded exponentially with the number of deep friendships and connections I have with really amazing women so um, if you're worried that you're gonna lose all your friends when you quit drinking you probably will not you might lose some people you don't really like anyway (laughs) you will probably keep all the people you really love but have deeper and more honest relationships with them and you will most likely meet a million new friends that will inspire you so ah oh, perfect thank you so much thanks so much oh, yeah. Casey it's been so lovely to speak to you thank you very much so if you're immediately concerned about your drinking just remember you're not alone lots of online help like we talk about which is such a blessing um if you're in the UK um, talk to your GP or Soberistas has uh, the anonymous ask the doctor service on there which is a fabulous resource if you don't feel comfortable talking to your GP um, you can find Casey um, at her hello someday coaching hello someday hello someday coaching yeah hello someday coaching and that's below in the show notes reach out send up a flare to us at info at lovesober.com and just look after yourself and we'll see you next week for more chat